Hey Alexa, what's the definition of hustle? To be aggressive, especially in business or other financial dealings. You're listening to the H for Hustle podcast, designed to inspire future entrepreneurs to take the leap from working for someone else to pursue their passions and side hustles and turning them into full-fledged businesses. My name is Jerome Fenton. I'm a serial entrepreneur. Every week, I'll be speaking with an entrepreneur that has taken that leap. We'll be talking about the lessons they've learned and how they've turned their passions and side hustles into full-fledged businesses. H for Hustle Podcast, welcome back. Another illustrious episode up ahead, guys. Today, we have Erica Williams from The Classy Climb. Now, we talk with Erica today about using YouTube to help uh, build your business. Um, she used her YouTube channel to raise $1.9 million to help her start her business, um, that her trucking business that she's in now, um, and real estate holdings and a ton of other things. Um, Erica is what you call a hustler's hustler. She's always going to find it. She's going to get it out the mud. She's, she has, she's going to just figure it out. And we talk about her story of how she's kind of figured it out and maneuvered her way and also used YouTube as a way to build her brand and build her business and how to start a business with like little to no money by using YouTube as that brand outlet. Um, she also has a great personality, so you guys are going to pick up on that. Uh, a lot of jokes on this episode, so um, I'm not going to waste too much time. Let's get into the episode. Boom, 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 boom. H for Hustle Podcast, welcome back. We have another illustrious guest. Uh, today we have Erica Williams of the Classy Climb. Erica, welcome to the show. What's up? How are you guys doing today? Good, good, good. So, Erica, if we were to meet at like a, I guess, uh, I guess we'd have to say a virtual dinner party now, right? <laughs> no, I'm having, if you're in Texas, we can meet in person. <laughs> yeah. um, if we were met together, what would you, I, I would say, hey, what do you do for a living? What would you tell somebody? Uh, the easiest way I to help people is, hey, I'm a YouTuber who manages uh, $1.9 million in assets. Got you. Okay. That's a great way of, of kind of condensing it all. Um, so, Let's go back. Let's start from the beginning. Uh, I know you didn't start off as a YouTuber. Let's go back. What's your background? Where are you from? So military kid, lived in Alaska for many years. What? Which, uh, which part? Juneau? Uh, I lived in uh, the first base, the base that's in near uh, Kodiak. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Right. And then my parents are like, oh, we're going to get out the military. They get out for one year. We live in Kodiak Island, which you have the ferry to every day if you want to leave or go. And Kodiak Island, we're like only one of three brown families there. It was quite hilarious. After a year, my parents were like, all right, you know, we're going to get back in the military. <laughs> um, and so on that journey of just always being the new kid, always kind of having to make friends, talk to people, be flexible, uh, you learn a lot about yourself and, you know, resiliency, right? Yeah. Um, when I got back to North Carolina, my first job was at my cousin's dollar store. Okay. So my cousin... This is before you had a brand, like the franchise before all that. This is like him having a catalog from China, order the parts, they ship it over in boxes, and he assembled his store. Really? And this is like way back. This is when you could order all kind of stuff off catalog books, and they'd be this thick. And it it just was a it was a mindset shift. It was like you can do anything. Really? So working in that store? Can, yeah, can order parts from China. They come here in a box and we just unload it. You know, anything's possible. You can just do anything, right? Gotcha. Because at the end of the day, like 
grandpa had a jute joint and a farm. You know, we just have a very unique history in the Carolinas. Got so, you. So you, you you were around an entrepreneur family or that was just your cousin that was that that entrepreneur? So my family was security focused, but entrepreneurial. Now, how okay. do I say that? Right. Um, I think the best way to explain it is uh, in the 80s happened, you know, farming, loans, all this bust kind of happened. Everybody in the house went out and went got something secure. Right. Mm-hmm. You got a bunch of military folks, police officers, nurses, teachers, secure. Yeah. Security, right? But they all were buying real estate for cheap, buying trailers for cheap, buying land around oh. the corner for cheap. You know, just like little things that you're like, there's entrepreneurial things there. Um, and it's funny that when I deviate from the family plan of security and go full entrepreneurship, they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> and what you're you like, you guys about? have been dabbling for years. Why yes, can't I go yeah. full on? Yeah. <laughs> wow, so, that's interesting. Um, it's one of those things of like, but I think that when uh honestly when trauma happens or or devastating things a whole family's mind can shift mm-hmm. like their whole their whole mindset is like security it's like good, if yeah. you just go to military for four years you can have a car be <sighs> alone you can have all this yeah and then you can go do whatever you want gotcha. right it's this it's like security focused so when did you deviate from that security because you go you, you see your cousin you're working mm-hmm. there and in your mind were you what were you planning on being <laughs> when you grew up quote unquote Man, the first thing that started deviating from that was all our family was going to NC State. So when I immediately said, well, I'm not going to NC State. I'm going to go to East Carolina University. Well, ever since our aunt flipped out in the 80s, they're like, no one in this family will ever go back to East Carolina. And I'm like, <laughs> really? I'm going. <laughs> hey, it's a party, right? So yeah. this school was on the Playboy Bunny list. Um, and it wow. said in the Playboy Bunny list, one year that, hey, it's eight women, one guy here. Wow. So I go that freshman year, like, man, it's a lot of girls here. Next year, kid you not, it's like every class was just swamp full of guys. <laughs> and that just shows you the power of like this one. Playboy magazine right? uh-huh. and how powerful it was. And I just started realizing every job I had, every like I would try to be efficient or do something faster or better. Mm-hmm. And they never liked that. They'd be like, no, just do it like I told you. Be like, nah, I want to do it this way. Yeah. Right. Or no, this is better or faster. And with every single job, I just realized like you are not meant to be in these jobs. Really? Like so even even two weeks into a job, I'd be like, Yeah, this is fun, but you're not meant to be here. Yeah. You just felt it within you, or it was just a lack of appreciation for what you were doing. Uh, it was a combination of like, just, um, I, I hate talking about alpha, beta, all this other silly stuff, but I feel like there are some people in our society that that 10% are like, nope, can't do this. Yeah. Out. Like yeah. I, this system isn't for me out. Yeah. And every time I've tried to jump back into the matrix and like go to work and get careers, it's like everything I'm like, Oh, I see that. I can do that. Yeah. Right. Like, never could get into that system. Yeah, I completely understand. Um, you know, my story is that, you know, I started a business, worked on this business for, for 10 years, then I got mm-hmm. into corporate America after all that. So I was never immersiated in the corporate life. And when mm-hmm. I got there, I was like, I can't, this, I can't, I don't fit in here. I just felt it. I knew it in my bones. It just didn't feel right. I'd walk in there and just my stomach would feel bad. Like this is not a place for yeah. me. So I know exactly mm-hmm. what you're talking about. And no matter, even if you tried, it's just innately not you to fit into that establishment. Got you. So and that was that the moment you were in college and you figured it out from there? Oh, yeah. or? Every, every job. And like, I would, um, I worked at the Red Cross for a while. Right. Mm-hmm. And I would go places and be action. And I was like, yo, maybe I could be an FBI agent. And my mom's like, 
you don't like structure. <laughs> <laughs> FBI is like the most structured. Structure, yeah. You're going to have to follow all the rules. And, and, you know, it, 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 it dawned on me. So then um, I used some of my parents' money because unfortunately my, my grandma and my father died like six months of each other. And I started a coffee shop in North Carolina across from a historical that college Federal State University. And all these kids would come in and be like, yo, you're young. What's up? Yeah. Like shocked. Right. And it was a good experience because it kind of like it concreted that for me. So, but when they start tearing up the road, the construction over there, like me and three other businesses went under. So mm-hmm. I closed that shop and I literally flipped a coin. And there's a whole story behind it, but I was engaged to be married three weeks before the wedding. Call that bad boy. We're not going to do it. Long wow. story there. <laughs> <laughs> and I say, you know what? If I stay in North Carolina, I will coast. You know, I got all this family. I've got, they got rental properties. I can just stay there. I can live low and cheap and kind of do what I want, come and go as I please. Um, I have to challenge myself at this point. I have to do it now or it will not happen. So I flipped a coin and I literally said one side of the coin was Nashville, Tennessee. The other side of the coin was Austin, Texas. Okay. Um, and I flipped it and I got Austin. So I had friends that called them up. They're like, yeah, we're in Colleen. It's totally so close. I get here. I'm like, Colleen's almost an hour from Austin. I'm, I'm not staying here. Yet. I'm not here. <laughs> um, and I get to Austin and I promise you, like within two weeks of being there, I found this church, found this singles group of like 180 people. Every Friday, we're two-step, and every Saturday, we're tubing down the river. Every Sunday, we're having dinners and conversation and just laughing it up, and it was like the best five months in a row I could have. It was really awesome, and so um, I really believe like you have to, if something's telling you to move or pick up and go or let's go to the next challenge, you have to listen because if not, you you totally miss out on where you're supposed to be. I'm happy you said that because most people would have said, hey... I'll stay where I'm comfortable, right? Like you said, I knew I would coast there and innately in you, you went against what would be the most comfortable thing and most people would focus on comfort. What do you think that was the reason why you made that change? Because most people would stay in comfort. You chose not to. What was the thing that said, it's the best move to go somewhere else? So I'm a total sci-fi nerd, like, okay. oh my God, sci-fi, right? Yeah. Um, there's a movie called Dune from 1984. 1984 movies are just the best, okay? And so I'm watching it and he's, his father puts his hand on the shoulder of his son. He says, listen, because um, they're moving. He says, he says, son, there's something in us when we don't challenge ourselves, it sleeps. If we don't, mm. it, it just stays dull, right? And the sleeper must awaken. Now, if anybody's watched this movie, they'll know what I'm talking about, but like, it's a great movie. It's a classic. Um, and when the kid finally like reaches his like, you know, part in the movie, that's yeah. amazing. Like his father's died. Things have happened. He's like, father, the sleeper has awakened. <laughs> and I promise you, whenever something good goes in my life, that movie pops in my head and I laugh because I realize there is something in us every time we move, every time we get a new job, we get a new relationship, whatever, it awakens. And it, it makes us go a little bit better, be a little bit better, you know, adjust. Yeah. And I'm just a diehard believer that like this, this, every time we have a recession, anything, people awaken to like, oh, I'm going to survive. Yeah. I'm going to be okay. Yeah. I can do these new things, these new skills, these new jobs. And every time I kid you without a doubt, every time I've moved, I moved to a new city or I learned something new and there's new jobs I've never heard of, careers I've never yeah. heard of. And that pushed me to want to even do YouTube because I felt like so many people were 
living their little life in their little town. And man, I could do more, but this is comfortable. Mm -hmm. Here's this girl bringing on some tech guys who came out of the military doing tech, right? You know, or here's these people over here that's doing this kind of side job or that. But if no one ever exposes you to it, you don't know it exists. Yeah. You're sitting there just chilling. Yeah. And so you don't want your sleeper to ever go to sleep. So you, you (laughs) I mean, like, but you feel it. It's a, um, I tell people, if you keep thinking of something, you keep hitting something over and over again, it's meant to happen. It's, yeah. it's like it's a churning. Um, I have had moments where I did something like I was in a job and it was super comfortable for like. And then on the second year of that job, everything within me every day, I get up was like, no, you mm. know, this is not where you need to be. Yeah. You need to you need to go on, move it, move it along. And I think probably to my family and friends are like, what are you doing? But to me, I knew inside wise, like I was like, oh. It was like something was like, hey, you got to go. That's something keen. You 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 seem like you listen to yourself or you have a very strong belief in a faith or something because you're something that you listen to. Most people will get that feeling and then be like, no, they'll fight against it. You know, mm-hmm. so that's that's very interesting because most people won't go with what that feeling is. I've learned to believe that that whatever that guiding system mm-hmm. is telling you, just follow it because it usually is going to lead you to a good place. Yes. Um, so that's, but most people don't. So that's kind of interesting. So let's get back to the story now. So you get okay. to, you get back to Austin. No, no, no. I, nope, just no, 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 I know I'm get, that kind of person. I'll yeah. do it. We get back to Austin uh-huh. and now you've found this group you're with for five months. What happens after that? So the whole time I, every bit of Austin, as I was working in apartment management in the beginning and in the afternoons, I'd be delivering pizzas in hundred degree week. Head weather out here in Texas. And I would find little new neighborhoods, little new stuff. And I remember meeting this guy, talking to him. And he was like, yeah, yeah, da, 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 real estate. I come back around two years later, meet that same guy again, describe all these neighborhoods. And he's like, how do you know this? I was delivering pizzas two years ago. I delivered to your house. Yeah. Like, it was like, you know, everything's a coincidence, right? And every little step I've taken, the information I got at that position helped me go to the next one. Mm-hmm. So I worked in apartment management as a billings manager. And there was a guy who was maybe five years older than me and he was a goofball, but he was like a painting company. And he had got this contract with us. And we had told the company, say, listen, um, a bunch of, there's a, a bunch of how, uh, apartments being leased out this summer. Yeah. And since we're changing the office colors, people are going to want their apartments painted. They're going to want their doors painted. They're not just going to settle for same old, same old. And we could just hire a painter for $50,000 a year it'll be great. And, you know, you'll just give them benefits and that guy will paint all day and all night. The company's like, Oh, hush girl, you know, we're going to outsource like we've always done. And that summer, instead of a hundred people moving, because this is like a 500 unit apartment complex, 195 moved at the same time. Wow. And so the guy that we were outsourcing it to, who I thought was a dummy, literally made $300,000 off the apartment complex that year. Wow. And he never even showed up. He just would send two or three guys a day, two or three guys a day and, and teams of two or three or two or four. And they would be paying and they would be knocking them out. And I remember doing the billing for it. And I called my friend one day and said, hey, we got to We got to go start as a painting company. <laughs> this is a racket on a racket. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, for the next two and three years, that's literally I was able to sit in my apartment, coast make YouTube videos and like take people's payments over the phone and chill. And even then I knew, okay, 
something's stern, something's stern. You got to do more. You got to be more. So you got into the painting thing. Uh-huh. That was exciting. You were making money, not doing much work. So do you stop mm-hmm. working at the apartment complex or do you oh, plug, your, sure, or do sure. you plug yourself into that apartment complex now? No. So at that, when I, even when I was at the apartment complex, I gave away referrals. Like I'm a super happy person. Um, there's a great book called Super Connectors. Yeah. I put myself in that category. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, hey, you can go meet this person, that person. That year, I gave away like 70 to 75 referrals to mm-hmm. agents. Well, here in Texas, you get a, like the first month's rent. So on average, these people are renting $1,200 apartments. Yeah. So all I can see in my mind is I'm getting this little $50 gift card and I gave you like $70,000, Yeah. off of these referrals. So now you're like, hold on, I'm getting underpaid. (laughs) (laughs) So immediately I'm like, let me get my uh, real estate license. So I get my real estate license and I literally spend the next, I mean, between the YouTube, between the painting company, I mean, it was a beautiful summer. I'll just say it that way. It was beautiful, beautiful income. And what I realized in all that is, you know, stuff will be right in front of your face. You just have to reach out, reach out, touch it, reach out, connect to it, be open to it. A lot of times people are in a drone phase where they just show up to work every day, Monday through Friday. They just there. They They go through the motions. Yeah. Yeah. And they leave. So. Gotcha. Um, That's super interesting. Um, So you get your real estate license. Do you go in and do real estate or you just become like a super connector? Oh, I mean, a super connector. I refer people. I did some apartment leasing, but at the end of the day, like it just got me in the door with people to have conversations. Gotcha. Okay. So like on my YouTube channel, I'd I'd bring on real estate agents from Dallas and he ended up getting like 15 home sales out of the deal. Wow. He would send me like, he was like, is your license active? And I would let it slip for like two months. He was like, oh, well, I ain't got to give you 20%. I only got to give you a referral. I was like, oh, oh no. <laughs> so just a lot of little lessons in between. Got you. So what do you do after the painting company? Because you did that for two years. You enjoyed yourself. You enjoyed the money. Mm-hmm. You're, you're building a YouTube channel while doing this. Um, now, what do you do with the painting company? You keep it going? Do you? So I, my friend, he wanted to focus on fencing because you can do fences faster, cheaper. You don't have to go inside people's homes. You don't yeah. have to worry about people's pets, all that kind of stuff. And so um, I sold my share in it and I just started kind of knowing it was time to do something new. What's the new thing? And it ended up being the semi trucks. So it ended up being me meeting a new group of friends and entrepreneurs. So I was at this point in life where I'm making all this money. I'm hanging out with new people. I'm going to conferences and I had been promoting this, this course, right? I was affiliate and I'm like, yeah, get this course. It's amazing. And people are thousands of people. right? So I go to an event. It's a pop-up by Max Maxwell. Oh, the real estate wholesaler. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And I go because it's the meeting people that makes it for me, right? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I'm an extrovert, but also just in business. It's what makes it. So I go out there and people are like, yo, Erica. I'm like, you know, hey, how you doing? (laughs) And this guy comes up. He says, hey, I bought that Hood Estates course. And the very next day I got up, got a $40,000 loan from Navy Federal, went and got a truck and got a driver and got it with a company in a week and a half. And so wow. I'm sitting here the whole time. I've been promoting this thing for four months. Haven't even looked at it yet. <laughs> and I'm like, well, dang, do I feel shame or what? Right. So, so you're, then I, so you're uh, doing a hood estates, your affiliate for hood estates. I know those mm-hmm. guys, I know those guys uh, follow their stuff. So mm-hmm. you're doing it, but you didn't pay attention to the course. You're just selling a course, not knowing what it because is. Because I know it's good. Cause I know they're like, I know a combination of its quality and something was pushing me towards that market. Yeah. So I knew, I knew. Right. Okay. So um, 
So I knew it was quality, right? I wasn't going to sell something crap. And so then I finally watched it. I'm like, oh yeah, I totally can do this. So I reach out to the audience on YouTube and I go, hey, you guys, uh, I'm going to go buy two trucks. This is what I'm going to do. What's up? I ended up raising like $120,000 in like seven to a half days, seven to 10 days. From your YouTube followers? Yeah. Like people who want a partnership and buy a truck together. Wow. And so immediately I was like, okay, I'm on to something. If I can make these two work, then great. I'm going to keep on going. And eventually it went from two trucks to like 10. And, you know, in that whole process, not even just trucks, started doing real estate, started getting partnerships and different stuff. And every time I tell people, people are the most important factor, relationships are the most important factor. I know people who hate hearing that or they're introverts and they don't want to hear that. And I'm like, that's where the power yeah, is. It's, that's where everything is. Mm-hmm. Getting people, people, um, uh, there's this guy named uh, Mike, Mark Salazar. He has a quote that I can never get out of my head. He says, your next opportunity is connected to another person. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just 100% true. Every opportunity in life is going to come from a person, not from like a thing. We use all these social media things to connect, but it's usually through a person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and honestly like people put your foot through the door yeah people give me government contracts all kind of stuff where i'm like what and it's just people putting your foot through the door gotcha so you go through this course you learn the trucking business right you get a truck you learn the trucking Mm -hmm. business um get drivers kind of the whole thing how do you figure that business out it was just from the course or you just went in this cold turkey trying it it's some of it was from the course and some of it is the fact that one of my uncles had a trucking up for 20 years. Okay. It just wasn't until my cousin had died that he like closed it up because, you know, it was Chavis and Sons and, yeah. you know, he, you know, unfortunately didn't have any sons. And so he just felt a certain type of way about it and he wanted yeah. to let it go. And uh, so I knew a little bit from him. I knew a little bit from here, but what really kept pushing me to dig deeper is every inch of the step I would go into trucking whether I was at a dealership, whether I was on the phone with freight liner, freight brokers or, mm. or shippers, it was always other people in this market other than Americans. Yeah. And I'm big on immigrant, immigrant belief and immigrant power. Yeah. Why? Because as a, as a military kid, I'm sitting here going to class with people who are half Korean, mom's Korean, dad's black, whatever, or, you know, Korean mom, white American dad. And their moms would have flea markets on the weekends. They'd be doing, they'd always tinkering on like side businesses yeah. and getting that money. And you'd be like, oh, what is this? What's the flea market job? Right, right. So you go, when I'm in first year of college, these kids were all getting $100,000 credit cards from American Express. And I'm like, what is your, what's going on? You know, and it was because their moms were putting them on as authorized users. Yeah. And so I started to connect the dots that having a business is powerful. Ownership is powerful. That's where the money is at. And yeah. even now, when it came to trucking, all I could see every time I get on the phone, somebody be like, "Oh, you're American? That's cool." Like, like, like they're in America, but shocked to hear from another American can, yeah, yeah. in trucking in the position of ownership. Yeah. I definitely so understand true. that because I'm Jamaican. Yeah. I was born in Jamaica. I came here when I was seven and immigrants, we they definitely follow the money. So like in the medical field, you go into the hospitals, yeah. there's a lot of immigrants. There's, there's Filipinos, there's Caribbeans, there's Africans. Then you usually are shocked when there's another American like nurse. You're like, American went to nursing school? It's like kind of weird. So I definitely understand what you mean. Listen, <laughs> what's funny about you talking about the nurse, I had to go to the hospital and I was feeling bad. I had all African nurses from different mm-hmm. countries, right? Yeah. Then I had two African doctors. One was going to do one thing, one was going to do other. They got in an argument in the hallway <laughs> and was like, and then one started speaking a different language and walked off, right? And I was like, what's happening? And then this one little white lady comes in. She's like, I'm just from Ohio, honey. You know, I just moved here to the town. <laughs> it's like, oh, everybody's African here. And I just thought it was hilarious that I'm like, 
and therein is your, you know what I mean? Like, you know, unfortunately in Americans, we're like, we want the best life ever. We don't want any of the struggle. Yeah. We don't want any of the like study, the struggle, the compromise. But it never um, comes to them. Never <laughs> comes. Never comes. And that's the that's the yeah. part that just like that's part of why I'm even even now like I'm getting ready to take a massive vacation at the end of the year and take off YouTube and all such stuff. And and it's been five years of like every step of the way I've I've like put my foot in and worked hard and it's always some immigrant person who's like hey 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 I see you. like hey let's work let's do business together yeah. every step of the way and it's it's crazy right yeah. so like even now in Dallas there's uh, four African guys from the Congo I yeah. think they are. Um, and they have 300 trucks and in their interview, like with no shame, they go, yeah, in America, they have this thing called equal opportunity. We have to like hire other people. Like, <laughs> like they were so bold with it too. And yeah. so, so then the camera pans and shows like the one Hispanic guy, the one <laughs> white lady working. And I'm like, okay. No, but there's, there's a definite thing that you realize it's like, you know, when, you're like, when I go back to Jamaica, like you go to supermarket, you spend forty thousand dollars and that means you leave with like bread and rice and like not really that much you get like a basic Mm -hmm. amount of food for that much and when you come here a dollar is actually a dollar and you can go to the dollar store and use Mm -hmm. it for something so then you start realizing very quickly like oh this if i just work harder than everybody else i can get more than everybody else and it's very very quick to move past a lot of people here because everyone else doesn't want to do the work and the work is where all the riches are oh my god like um, you know, like I used to say, all roads lead through real estate. Yeah. And, and if you just look at this country's history, people who own real estate and could protect it, that's the key word, do the work together, mm-hmm. um, are really the powerhouses here. When you have, and now you have all these young people who could go buy a house tomorrow, could buy land anywhere tomorrow. You start talking about, they're like, well, what's that going to do for me? What's that going to put in my pocket? I'm like, this is this country. Oh my God. Like, you know, <laughs> it's tax deductions. That's what it can get. So you. Many things, right? <laughs> um, and that just always blows my mind, you know, yeah. it blows my mind. So got you. So every time we're talking about all the businesses and it seems like you have the hustler spirit, the hustler like mm-hmm. mentality, mm-hmm. you keep leading and keep saying YouTube, 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 you're mm-hmm. doing painting YouTube. You talk about real estate, YouTube, mm-hmm. you're trucking, you're talking about YouTube. So, one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to have you on is talking about like creating a YouTube platform. So what made you start with YouTube and want to start on YouTube? Like what was the reasoning behind that? I felt like I kept repeating my story to friends and family uh-huh. and I'd be like, yeah, this is, this totally is a, you know, I tell a story they'd be like, no way. Or I tell a story about my family and businesses they own and people would be like, what? And so I started just putting it on YouTube and I also started being like, you can do anything in this country. Like you can go from struggling, deliver pizzas to millions, like yeah. in, in a five year span. And even now when I talk about it like this, people go, well, that's you. You're really, you work hard. And I'm like, no, no, it's America. You can yeah. do anything. Everybody, yeah. Just about anything. It depends on what you want to do. And um, YouTube became this thing for me to communicate with people that were like-minded mm-hmm. anywhere in the world. Like I have British followers. I got people who buy stuff from Britain in my chat. I got people who buy stuff. I have Filipino VAs. I, you know, anywhere in the world you can connect with people. Yeah. You know, you don't have to feel limited to your neighborhood, your street, your whoever. Got you. So what what was the thing that made you get started? Was it the painting content you were making or was it something else? Like what were you Before making? that, when I first started coming to Texas, I was like documenting the journey. Uh-huh. But also I remember talking with, it was five friends of us. 
and two of the friends were um, like psychiatrists, what you would call psychiatrists. One was a singer and one was less like a home, stay at home mom. And they all, we all talk about, we're gonna start YouTube channels. They're gonna do the stay at home mom channel. They're gonna do like a psychiatry channel. This other guy's gonna do a music channel. We're gonna all do it. Yeah, it's gonna be so great. I'm the only one who did it. Wow. And then like five, we all kind of like, cause I moved to Texas, we kind of all went our separate ways. When I started talking to them again, like, hey, they're like, hey, how's everything going? You're still doing that little YouTube channel. I'm like, yeah, I made a million dollars. They're like, Whoa. oh damn. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, oh man, I should have started. It might be too late. I'm like, you know, I don't even try to encourage people to do it because you have to mentally decide. Yeah. When you say you're going to do something to do it. Yeah. A lot of people are out here doing this and steady show. When you talk about it, you feel better. You're like, oh yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. that's it. You don't do yeah. anything else with it. And so for me, I made it a, a mission of mine. Like I would do a video and I'd immediately go do work. I'd do this and I'd immediately go do work. I would not have this moment of like saying I was going to do something and never did it. Dude, yeah. Got so, the, so you started just documenting your journeys, just putting your stuff out. When do you like use it to like leverage business at that point? Um, I just started reaching out to the community and being like, hey, um, what do you guys think here? Right. Or, hey what do you want to do here? Right. So I would, I would just reach out and be like, would anybody like to partner with me at this? Would anybody like to work with me here? Would anybody like to do this? And it was just actually like just that reach out where people would be like, yes, me. Like even now where people would send emails to me and be like, Hey, I want to do A, B, and C. And I'd be like, Oh, super busy. You know, can't do it. Now I, I still try to respond and put them in kind of a category of like reach back out in a few months yeah because all money ain't good money right yeah. everybody doesn't have the temperament um to do such things right so always be careful about that got you all right so and then you know your youtube is not like you have like 700 million people following you have a very like you have a sub 50 like youtube like you have mm-hmm. like three thirty eight thousand for follow subscribers uh-huh. um so but you're able to raise uh, 1.9 million dollars from that mm-hmm. group of people so for I even hit. less than that, like a small, small batch, like there's like 75 people in my investment club. Really? So I now I can hear my audience asking, but yeah, but she seems like she has that attitude. She has that personality. Like, <laughs> you know, she's good in front of a camera. And how did you like besides just documenting your journey? What were you going in there and talking about? Like, what did you choose to talk about? How did you create the content? Like, like if you could give them like a step by step on exactly what you did in the beginning. Um, long story short, I, I did motivational stuff. Okay. I would, I would like review the news. Um, I would do motivational stuff. Um, mostly like I would like, if I felt down or I was like read a book, I'd review it. Okay. I'd review books. Uh, I started that way. And honestly, like it was like the ramping up of like, Hey, I read this book. I'm going to do this. thing. Hey, I got my real estate license. I'm going to do this thing. You know, like. I started um, kind of laying the groundwork for it. Does that make sense? Can you go a little bit deeper on that? A little bit more? Um, like, like literally. I so at my mom's house, there's like 500 books I left there. Okay. At my current house, there's probably 600 books. Okay. All I would do is I would I'd be reading books, and people would be like, "Well, what are you reading?" And I'd be like, "Well, here, this is what I'm reading. This is what I'm doing." And I would just start sharing it, and that's where a lot of that came from. 
Got you. Sharing it step by step. So whatever you were going through in that moment, you just jumped on YouTube and just started talking about it. So if it was a book review, it was a book review. If you were going to Dallas, or I mean, going to Austin, you rev- you mm-hmm. recorded that. If you got into real estate, you you told the audience, "I'm into real estate now, and this is what I'm doing." Um, yeah, basically. Okay, cool. Um, because a lot of people feel like they should be like this niche, niche, choose like one specific thing to talk about. If you're talking about shoes, well, talking about shoes. I mean, again, I, I teach a YouTube course now. Um, I'm a brand at this point, so I can talk about various things. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're just starting out, niche it down. Okay. People are simple. They like one dimensional things, one dimensional yeah. conversations. They have a hard time going, okay, you do this, you do this, like what? Like they have a hard time with that. So, so the way to kind of, uh, the fastest channels grow that are kind of riches and niches, yeah. right? Like, Hey, this is this, right? The brand, like Ty Lopez always makes a joke. There can't be 33,000 brands in the world, right? You can't, right? Yeah. There can be some major brands and then the rest of y'all quit it, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm a big believer in you have a space for some brands and then you have a space for niche activity yeah what is niche activity hey i this is how i blog boom right or a niche activity like i'm just going to talk about tax liens right or a niche activity is i'm just going to talk about being a stay-at-home mom and the challenges of that yeah okay niches i'm just going to show you cooking videos i'm going to cook on this channel niche because people feel comfort in being able to categorize yeah honestly yeah and the niches are in the riches. Like you, if yeah. you become very good at that specific niche, you know, I tell people there's, you go in the bread aisle, there's like 300 different breads, but they're also these one breads that are like, I'm organic and they're very specific for a very specific group of people. And they'll make, you know, that would be like a $200 million company just feeding that specific audience. And oh. that specific audience knows that bread is for them. And they, they make a very, they do it very deliberately. They're not excluding everybody, but they're talking to this one, their own audience. And that's pretty specific. There's a dude called Dave's Bread or something like that. And he has like yeah. a has a white guy with like a muscle yeah, arm yeah. on the front of the bread. And it's when the gluten phrase hit, like the gluten craze, like, oh, I'm celiac. I can't eat gluten. Yeah. He was number one standout because not only did he hire guys fresh out of prison, he was out of prison and he made this food because his stomach was always upset. Where? At prison because yeah. of the food, right? Yeah. So it's like this cyclical thing, this unique story. And now this bread is like, he makes millions, millions. Yeah, he actually sold that company for three hundred and something million dollars. So yeah, I know exactly the story you're talking about. No more about. bread for him. <laughs> no, no, he, yeah. he's he has a different type of bread. Uh, <laughs> so he's out. He's yeah, out. he's out. So, but, but that's uh, but that's just think about that that unique of a story where he niched it like to make people's stomachs feel better. Yeah. To give people who have had a rough life a second chance. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's, and he, he stayed in that space for a very long time before Mm -hmm. that gluten craze hit. And once Mm -hmm. it hit, it kind of hit the pressure where it it got outside of just that niche and it went to mainstream, but he started there and he was still making a pretty good business just being in the niches for a very long time. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's cool. So, um, so YouTube, it seems like it's the funnel for you. It's the top of your funnel and then everything pours mm-hmm. through YouTube down. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of people that's on this, that listen to the show and they have very little money to start. Do you recommend starting with YouTube, taking your cell phone out and talk about whatever you're going through and go from there? Because a lot of people want to start businesses, but the first thing, the barrier to entry, they always say is I don't have any money to start that business. What would you right. rec- say to that person to get started? Cause it seemed like you always got started, but you didn't always have all the resources together 
So, so two things, you can start a business very cheaply. The things, the three things people really need is leads, a way to reach people, and what are you selling, right? Mm-hmm. Anytime I hear somebody who's like, I just want to be on YouTube to talk. And I'm like, so you want people to just listen to you talk about what? Nothing. Like, it's very narcissistic. It's like, <laughs> I just want to be a talking head or something. And I'm like, that's weirdo stuff. <laughs> and I'll clarify, like I'm brash on here and everybody can, you know, leave me ugly emails, but I'm like, Nobody wants to just hear you talk about nothing. Like yeah. that's weird. Um, but again, out, you know, where do you get your leads from? What platform are they going to purchase from you? And like, what are they getting? Right. So just very simple. So YouTube, you have to think about it in this context, 90% of all videos on YouTube get less than a thousand views. Mm-hmm. So when my friends were like, Oh, you only have three or 4,000 videos. I'm like, yeah, I'm in the top 10% of YouTube. <laughs> do you know, like immediately you got to flip that on somebody yeah. like, yeah. Hey, I'm in the top 10% of YouTube. Yeah, I got 3,000 views. Yeah. Um, but also you have to go think about the long tail. The long tail talks about those diehard thousand fans. That if you just have a thousand fans, prime example is um the guy that made that song with Cassie. Uh, Ryan Leslie. Ryan Leslie. There yeah. you go. Diehard thousand fans. He has a whole super phone system, everything, where he can niche down those diehard thousand to 10,000 fans who he even threw a party. Hey, I'm going to have a party in a castle. You know, it's a thousand bucks to come, Yeah. you know, and I'm only sending it out to my friends. So now you have a hundred to 200 people sending him a thousand bucks to rent a castle for one night. You know, it's going to cost them more to get there. Right. Yeah. You know? And they get there and they party with him and then they're like, Oh, that was right. That was amazing. But yeah. you don't know that if you don't know, there's like that thousand true fans, the numbers. Yeah. So it can be podcasting, it can be YouTube, it can be anything, but video is easy for people to digest. And I think podcasting and video are like this, right? Yeah. Back in the day, you had a ton of radio stations in your own little town. You had the radio guy, the sports guy. Yeah. And then you have now big radio took over. Well, podcasting in my mind is the small radio guy taking back. Yeah. Small radio yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. So you, you have podcasts that have like, 20,000 people listening. And it's more than Fox Sports sometimes. Yeah. You know, I one time had a live with 400 people on it. My friend called me and said, right now I'm looking at Fox Sports Live and you have 200 more people than Fox Sports Live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you see what I'm Yeah, yeah. So you have to um, value people's time and people's attention. When it comes to video, why is video so appealing? It, you know, stimulates the eyes. People are kind of anti-TV right now. It's visually a great thing. They can plug in, listen, yeah. replay it again. Also, Same with video, too, you don't have to, like podcasts, you don't have mm-hmm. to watch it. Like, there's a lot of people who have Joe yep. Rogan. They watch Joe Rogan podcasts mm-hmm. on YouTube, mm-hmm. but they don't actually watch it. They're listening they to listen. it. Yeah, they're truck drivers that are listening to Joe Rogan's podcast, but it's on video. And maybe if they mm-hmm. come to a stop, they can look at it. But for the most part, a lot of people are just listening to the videos, you know? Yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm, so, a, I'm a big proponent of that, too. Mm-hmm. And so that that's your funnel, right? That's your platform. This podcast or this YouTube, that's your pack. So people come to that funnel. What are you delivering to them? And then where can they, where can they exchange money for goods? Right. Yeah. So for me, it's always been think of this or strike or PayPal. Um, hey, Eric, I want to talk to you. Well, here's a calendar link, book a time, you know, that kind of thing. Or, um, Hey, Eric, are you invested in tax lanes? How do I do that? Well, I recorded a tutorial on my screen. I show you step by step how to do it. Here's my course. You can buy it from here. Yeah. You know, so it's, 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 
it basically is having a platform and a place to speak. And video is going to be very much the future. And I want people to understand that um, YouTube has like a algorithm, a computer that, you know, this, you know, omnidescent computer that yeah. tells people where to go. And even though it had this computer that it told to not focus on guns, not focus on that, not focus on religion, not focus on this stuff, like this stuff is demonetized. No, no, no. People organically went out and searched. Mm-hmm. And now, even 10 years after YouTube's been fighting guns, religious families, happy families, Christian families, toys, and kids are, are still the, the biggest, toxics. Yeah, yeah, they're still the, the biggest, biggest things to, this day, yeah. to this day. Because we because can't people, stop. You can't stop. Skynet can't stop me. No. <laughs> <laughs> it, Definitely I will sci-fi. survive Skynet. Okay? <laughs> Definitely a sci-fi fan if you know if you keep referring to as Skynet. <laughs> Listen, I make my I've talked about Skynet so much. Like if something goes wrong with the channel or my live will go down, I'm like Skynet doesn't want us to win today, right? <laughs> so literally people people have started saying Skynet on other people's channel. And this guy was like what are y'all talking about? And they're like, Erica Williams said it's guided. And yeah. uh, it was just crazy. Yeah, but that's that's the that's the thing that separates you because your fan, your the people who subscribe to you, they want to hear those things that separate you from everybody else, and that's the thing that you know those little things like that. You should start making shirts like Skynet did it. Skynet doesn't want me to win. <laughs> I know Skynet, the killer. <laughs> um. So now, I just. All right, so let's go through this exercise because, again, I can hear my audience asking me. Um, let's say someone, and I always tell people service businesses are the best ways to start, right? Um, a service business are easy, very low overhead to kind of get into. If you're just trading time for money. Um, let's say somebody has a, let's just use one of your references, a painting company, or they want to start a painting company, and they also want to use YouTube mm-hmm. to build this. How would you recommend them go about that? Build this painting company while using YouTube. Well, I mean, so even if you're like a, a realtor or whoever, I'd start yeah. titling the video. Um, let's say they live in Asheboro Town. Well, every video I put Asheboro Painting, you know, Asheboro this, Asheboro Services, Asheboro, you know, some, something that has the location in the city they're in mm-hmm. and dominate that in their SEO and their chat and everything. Because at the end of the day, they literally could have a one-page website. If they pay for Google Ads to go there, it's the same difference. Yeah. Right. One's free or one's you can pay like 300 bucks a month to make sure your ads go there. Gotcha. So, so it's like there's ways to build businesses. Just there's no business that you're going to do 100 percent free. You no. know, if you can't spend 300 dollars a month on a business, I'm going to tell you to go deliver for Uber or something. to Get your 300 bucks. <laughs> that's what gotcha. I'm Gotcha. Okay. And you that's how you recommend start off by whatever service you're doing in that town and niche down and kind of go from there. Mm-hmm. And then in the sense of creating the content, just kind of make whatever you, you feel is necessary or how you say I would say reverse engineer and add your splash onto it, right? So if you go and Google right now painting companies, mm-hmm. right? You go painting companies, right? You go look them up, you see what what's what's popular, what's interesting or unique painting jobs, and then you put your spin on it. Right. What's yeah. your spin? You know, Ashboro's unique paint job, Ashboro's animal, you know, it's something weird. Right. Um, something eye catching, something people can watch because you'd be amazed. People watch DIY, DIY all the time. Do it yourself channels. They watch um, home building channels like I watched the other day for 20 minutes. This couple build a whole house. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like and I'm just sitting there like, oh, yeah, I, I watch this. Just couple on on YouTube that they build their own A-frame house in like West Virginia. Yeah, yes, yeah, West yeah, Virginia. It's yeah. like 73 acres. Yeah, it's and, crazy. And she's like super fit helping him. 
But what blew my mind is the fact that he drove two hours a day for work. And I was like, how is this man still awake? Yeah. And then then like still like coming home and like making this house and they still are doing this. Mm -hmm. And they have a pretty popular YouTube channel now, but it took a very long time to get there. And they were living in like a trailer or something crazy by the time they they put this RV kind of thing. Yeah. 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 It's kind of nuts. Well, so yeah, I, I, I mean, I just they're trending right now. Like I literally went on. I like to go on incognito. Yeah. Or I go onto a different laptop and I go yeah. on YouTube and it'll show me what's YouTube suggesting to me. Yeah. So this family on the wild was suggested to me. So of course I watched and I was like, ah, you know. But that's all it takes, right? I had one or two videos on my YouTube channel be like on first page suggested, and to this day they get the most comments, the most traffic, the most angry messages, and it cracks me up because it's like. Okay, cool. Thanks. You're yeah. adding to that. So I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, um, it's it's a revenue stream within itself, right? You get to a mm-hmm. point where YouTube can become a revenue stream for you, and then you can use it to create other businesses. So it's almost like creating its own top line revenue generator for your business, but then also it becomes its own business within itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it just becomes like another stream of what you're doing. Uh, oh, so sure, sure. do you believe everyone should be building like a media first business or like a video first business or a podcast first or whatever it is first business? Like um, I, I do real estate, tough. but I also have this media thing first. I also, I do this, but I also have this. I don't think like, even though I love media and media has provided me an opportunity, I realize there's a lot of people who hate being in front of camera hate doing that stuff right and there's some people who have beautiful radio voices who can yeah. do podcasts all day and night my hope for a lot of people who are watching this if they feel that need to start it to start like right and, and what happens is um people start stuff like but the execution is exhausting mm-hmm. right like some days i was like oh man i really don't feel like doing a youtube video and i do it and the, the energy from the audience i'd be like yeah you know <laughs> and and it's, it's created this five-year arch, yeah. right? Where people have trust factor with me. Cause like, even if you don't see me um, here online, where am I going? Right? Like, <laughs> like, like the reason people, so many people were able to donate money to me or, or invest in partnerships with me. Cause they're like, I see you every day. You at your office, you're working. There's the trucks. There's your stuff. It's yeah. very transparent every day. Um, and it creates a trust factor. That's yeah. all. You can't beat the trust factor of video. Yeah. When people can see your face and your everyday life, it's like, oh, it's this, um, they have this term for it, like a parasitical or whatever relationship where they feel like they know you. Yeah. Even though you don't. Yeah, yeah. And you do videos every day. I used to. Not as much anymore. Like, um, there was a time period where I felt like YouTube was killing my channel. So I just started going live. And I was like, all right, I'll just communicate straight to the people. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do about that. You just like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> the people and want work, me. And eventually yeah. people want it. <laughs> um, and so and it and then when I survived that hump, what I realized is like, oh, I'm selling anywhere from a hundred to four hundred dollars every day. I don't have to go live every day. I don't have to do a video every day. Um, even more so, there's a young lady I know, she went and got pregnant, married, not just you know, just not yeah. just pregnant, but she got married like on the quick and got pregnant and disappeared it was like she wasn't on youtube people were like oh my god what happened then she just came back a year later with a baby like hey y'all just um <laughs> took a life vacation <laughs> because youtube is so um there's a tendency to make creators go more 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 more, and you can determine like no i'm good yeah and stop i'm good er, stop 
And there's nowhere else I've seen that happen where you can go, er, stop, like YouTube. Mm-hmm. Like if you're doing podcasts and you stop doing podcasts, people get mad about that, right? If you're doing, if you're on Instagram every day, all of a sudden, then now you're not on Instagram, people fall off. YouTube's one of those things where I can get on here or not be on here and still have sales every day. Like people go watch a video from five years ago. And make a and purchase. Move. Yeah. yeah, make a purchase. Yeah, that's it's one of it's it because video and also too and me being a podcast and being on the side of where it's just audio, audio, <laughs> audio has a way of like people have to come to it and it's not as natural as like oh jump on YouTube. It's like oh where do I listen to this podcast again? How do I listen to podcasting? It's still an education mm-hmm. that comes with it, but everyone understands mm-hmm. YouTube and also everyone understands the cycle of like TV. If like friends go away for 10 years, but they're like, hey, we're rebooting friends again. All the same friends fans because they watched it for that mm-hmm. much years, they jump right back. And I think because people are trained from TV that you yep. can take a break on YouTube and still come back. And as long as you, at some point you come back, they understand. Yeah, I think creators are starting to understand because there's a lot of people who straight up burn out. Yeah. Because unfortunately, people giving off this this image of like, oh, I do all these videos and editing myself. And no, you don't. There's a ton of people I can snitch on where they've got like eight people on a team, you know, <laughs> helping them put something together. And you're sitting there crying at house like, I can't edit my video in 20 minutes. <laughs> don't beat yourself up because they ain't even editing a minute. In the video yeah. Yeah, and so, then there's also services that you could use for that now that you don't ever have to. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, but but it's also too, it's not just a, a goof-off thing. It's actual business. Yeah. And I tell people all the time, if you treat it like a business, you'll be paid like a business. Yeah. When you see these people out here like, I got a million followers and I'm broke. And I'm like, but what do you do all day? Like, is this built like a business? Does yeah. this serve people? Yeah. Or is this something for people to goof off on? Yeah. That's like those practical joker webs, um, Instagram or for YouTube's. They they really don't pan out to anything, but they can get a lot from AdSense. But that's about it. Um, and they basically outgrow their audience eventually. Yeah, because that's some point, with that first wave. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. at one point you're like, I can't keep just telling jokes or doing the stupid stuff on the street or running myself into a wall. Um, so you know, you said something very earlier, and I want to pinpoint. You say you raised one point nine million dollars off of YouTube using YouTube. Mm-hmm. So how did you go about doing that? Well, I, I, there's a whole relationship building factor there where I spoke with people on the phone. I met them in person. You know, we ain't letting SEC come get me. I basically had a lot of relationship development with people to have that trust factor. So I went all over the United States last year. I did events and conferences and met people in person and did all kinds gotcha. of work. And then I built that bridge to like, hey, this is who I am. This is, I'm not going anywhere. You know, blah, 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 blah. Right. Gotcha. So, that is um, part of how I built that all up. Got you. Cool. That's awesome. Um, and um, so a couple questions uh, before we go. Um, mm-hmm. One, what was the best business advice you ever received? Um, I think it's, I'm still going to say it's from a book. It's E-Myth Revisited, okay. that most people are beautiful technicians. They're not yeah. really business owners. Yeah. And so, you know, knowing where you stand in that, right? Where... I maybe not be the best technician, right? But definitely a business owner. Yeah. I'm buying a business now. So So, solid book, by the way. That's such a great book. Um, Worst business advice you ever received? Oh, your passion. (laughs) I mean, I think the passion movement took a lot of people out because you could be a passionate surfboarder, but you may never make enough money to live in Hawaii full time. You know what I mean? Like some things are just that passion. You enjoy them. You, you know, you make some money off of them, but you're not, everybody's not going to be a millionaire passion follower. 
Yeah. And that passion thing can get you into, because uh, sometimes you actually have a skill um, that you can actually monetize mm-hmm. and make a lot of money from. And, but you will put that aside to go chase a passion. Um, and the a passion, passion, a passion might be like, bro, out. you're an accountant, be an accountant. <laughs> yeah. It'd be a really Passionately draw on the weekend. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, That's all. Got you. Um, what was one book that you'd say that was one or two books that were like a, a, a changer for you? Something that like you read it and it changed your business. It changed how you moved in life. Like what, what you would say two books that gave you that. I would say um, Cashflow Quadrant. I know everybody's on Cancel Robert Hiyosaki right now, but <laughs> Cashflow Quadrant, because it broke up the category of like a employee, yeah. self-employed business owner, business owner investor. Yeah. And also they had this really great thing inside the book of like, your family can only give you advice from the point of where they know their knowledge point. Like my family was all security based. Mm-hmm. And even though they had some entrepreneurial tendencies, like most people do, that security base is what was holding them to that position so tight. Um, but that's all they can do. Like even my friends here who are engineers, they're like, oh man, you can come work at this tech company. But that's all they can advice they can give you. They can't give you advice on how to start a business. Mm-hmm. So you're out here trying to convince your friends and family to do something or say something. And like, they can never give you validation or approval for your business. I feel because that's not the, the framework they work out of. Okay. Um, yeah, definitely. You have another book. Or that's the um, biggest one. I would honestly say the four hour work week. Really? The four hour work week. Because people keep acting like I, I would talk to these young people. And they're like, what, what book? I'm like, this was the book. For all these other little hipsters went overseas and hanged out and went to <laughs> Vietnam and got on the internet, okay? Because at the end of the day, you can have a store that's selling something and be done. Like, there was a guy, I remember him, it was like, God, what is his name? He's Asian in, in, in Nevada. And he followed the book or to a T back in the day when it first came out. And he was documenting it on a blog, right? Yeah. Like, you know, before it was YouTube. And it worked. Like, he had this warehouse distributing his stuff he he made all this money he had a a a pool yeah he he had a va and he was just like oh now what do i do right and he's like i'm just gonna go live life i'm done doing this blog like that was literally his last blog was like hey done doing this blog i'm gonna go live life peace out and (laughs) this thing works (laughs) i kind of aspire to do that yeah yeah i totally aspire to like one day be like hey you guys just got married Got my kid out. Peace out. I did Get it. Out. Get out. Like, yeah, I got my money. I'm good. Gotcha. Um, that was a good book. Uh, I think it's interesting and it's a great title. Uh, the systems to build all those things, though, takes mm-hmm. so much the time. He wasn't really specific on the heavy lifting up front to right, have right, the four right. hour work week in the back end. Well, I think in the in the beginning, but he did tell you he's like he worked eighty hours a week. Yeah. And he started delegating it, getting lower and lower. Yeah. And so by the time you see him, he had perfected like these systems, right? Yeah. Now the the most simplest thing I would refer to is like the Shopify effect. Yeah, you have a Shopify site, but the site isn't going to make you money. Yeah, it's the ads you send to the site. That's going to the marketing you. component, yeah. right? Um, and that's again that's running a business like a business, not yeah. just. I'm a frat boy business guy. What's up? I'm in Vietnam, <laughs> yeah. living for two hundred dollars a month. Yeah, <laughs> Ty Lopez life. Those guys have come home. <laughs> Man, you know, there's like a hundred kids I followed, um, because we lit, we follow natural cycles of adulthood. Yeah, where we want to nest, we want to settle. Even though men think, oh no, I'm single man forever. Not nah, like most of these guys that I follow, they come back to America. Yeah, like they're in travel groups saying, no, I, I bought a house like two years ago. I've been here. I just yeah. put up, I have so much, they have so much content. 
they still have YouTube videos and Instagram stuff going up. Like you think they in the Philippines right now. No. <laughs> they back I'm home. They in the States. <laughs> they back home. Even the van life people. I'm in groups where van life people who have made so much content and now they can edit it. Yeah. And you're like, oh, wow. They're no. They in little Ohio somewhere. They in little Iowa somewhere yeah. Yeah. on a little farm, you know, like. They have I a know. homestead now and they're doing homestead content. Yeah. <laughs> well, that'll be their next thing after they tell people they got out of the van. Yeah. So. <laughs> that, and that van life, that shit is such a scam, bro. Like, there's a lot of people like they're well, doing that van. And it's so, it is no way van life is fun. <laughs> no way that is fun. They make it look fun. but It's they, cold outside. I'm mm-hmm. like, how do you sleep? Like, you ever tried to, I, I remember driving across country with my brother and we stopped in Utah mm-hmm. and we slept inside of the car. And it was the most miserable mm-hmm. sleep of my entire life. And I'm like, there's no way this could be fun. It was so cold. You're so paranoid. You're like, what's going on? You hear a sound, you want to wake up. It's, there's no way van life could be amazing. So, so I watched There's a thing called Overlander, Overlanding. If you look on YouTube, there's a lot of that too, where they have the Tacomas and the Tundras and they make it like a bed in the back. And at the end of the day, you're still sleeping outside <laughs> in your vehicle. Like, <laughs> like I'm not knocking. Like, and, and it's financial based. Yeah. And that's part of why I'm such a big proponent of like trying to get people to understand. Um, you know, try to get them to understand. Like, yeah, like you need money. Yeah, you definitely do. You need money. All right. Um, and so I like to ask this, like, just two more questions, then we can cut mm-hmm. from there. Um. There's, there's somebody right now, they're sitting at their job or they're, you know, COVID-19 is over. I had a lot of the audience, they were so happy that they were getting, you know, a thousand bucks a week to be on furlough. And now they have to go back to work. They're miserable at that job. They want to start something or they have something that they're playing with, but they want to kind of like do fully. What advice would you give that person? What, would, what advice would you give that person who's sitting on the sidelines, dying a slow death at that job to go in and, and start their own thing? We're natural builders just in our nature. Uh, we naturally want to build things and, and tinker and grow. And um, we're natural builders. We're natural tinkers. We're natural wanting to develop something that we own, yeah. that we say is our own, even, you know, children, anything, right? So we naturally gravitate towards that. So with that being our natural state, even if they build something and it doesn't make a million dollars, let's just say it makes an extra 20K a year. Yeah. That's worth it, right? If the average person in America is making 40K a year, really the average person is making $30,000. They've already showed that study after study. So an extra 20K gets you at 50K a year. Now you have a little bit of purpose, a little bit of flexibility. You know, you feel a little bit better about yourself at night, right? Um, they're going to wear me out. Uh, feel a little bit better about yourself at night. I think you should do it. You don't know where the road leads. And see, what, what really bothers me is people who sit on the sidelines and observe and like, well, I would do this or I would do that. Well, you're not doing anything. Yeah. You just watch it. You haven't done anything. You haven't grown anything. You haven't developed anything. And so when you start trying to talk to people about that, um, that's the biggest part is is even if you, even if you watch and say, Erica, I don't know if that's for me or this is for me, find something that is for you or something you can work on locally. Yeah. Because if, let's say, let's just, I, I always say accountant because I think I have this whole theory about accountants are going to make a bunch of money the next couple of years, just tracking all this government money going out the window. But let's just say you're an accountant and you're like, I want to help business owners have better books. 
or I'm just coming up with the idea. I want to be the QuickBooks specialist, yeah. right? Where I come deal with you for a couple hours in the afternoon. You pay me this money. I get your books right. And now you can apply for loans and business stuff and be straight. People would pay for that. Yeah. Because people don't like putting it. Now you put a fancy name on it and make it popular via YouTube or podcast. More people are going to buy your services, right? Yeah. If you just say, hey, I'm bookkeeping for you and I'm getting you tied up to QuickBooks. That ain't exciting. Nothing about that sounds sexy, right? <laughs> no. So, <laughs> nothing. But if you say, hey, are you tired of missing out on loans and business opportunities? Let me put you together in this quick three-hour connection session called Get Your Money Right. Right, whatever, you know, yeah. like this crazy name. People are like, I need to get my money right. Yes. <laughs> I will pay him $400 to go over here and literally log me in the QuickBooks and tie it to my business credit card. I mean, just the dumbest things, right? And But it would make money because yeah. people hate paperwork. They hate going that side of the business. And 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 60% of African-American business owners didn't even apply for the PPP. Yeah. And my thoughts are because people didn't have their paperwork together. Yeah. I'm hearing That's, every accountant I bump into or in, um, I'm in uh, two Facebook groups. They're like people coming to their office rushing with all this terrible paperwork. Like, hey, put this together so I can get this PPP. And they're like, dude, no. Yeah. Like you need so like, much more work. Yeah. Like you have the, the basics wasn't even done yet. Yeah. You're not yeah. even put together. Gotcha. Um, that's, that's such great, solid advice. And do you think a lot of your success has been by luck or by straight up hustle? Man, I don't believe in luck because if you blame it all on luck, then it's, I was unlucky in love. I was unlucky in this. No, you're unlucky in love because you wear weird clothes and you smell bad. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's like, I was just lucky enough to get into the NFL. No, dude, you actually got up every day and night. Like, they just showed this Asian kid who um, is for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. He did 10,000 calorie burn in one day. Yeah. Because, people, people, you know, all these challenges on YouTube, he's like, you guys are lying. Let me show you what I did. He's like riding the bike for 150 miles. He's swimming. He's running it and hiking up a hill. He's yeah. doing all these things. And so I don't want to sit here and say, well, it's lucky. Let's show is lucky. No, <laughs> no, work. that's disrespectful. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Cause that's saying, well, I'm not where you are because I'm unlucky. Yeah. That's, that's an gross. easy cop out. Yeah. That's easy. Right. Well, if I had the wife you had, I'd be lucky too. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like that's terrible. That's a, that's a short, that's a way to make you not only make kids angry, make adults angry because if oh, I'd have been lucky in life, I'd have been this. No, yeah. go work for it. Yeah. Go put five years in and call me back. About yeah. And one of the biggest things I tell everybody is consistency and frequency, what you're saying and how often you're saying it and you just got to mm -hmm. stay on it. And eventually the audience will find you or you will find them, but like, you just have to stay consistent and mm -hmm. be in front of them and throw some ad money on it. Yeah. <laughs> people, people are like, people want a free 99 you to death. You're yeah. like, baby, yeah. you can spend a hundred dollars a month and, and build consistency over the next five years. Yeah. And, Small uh, amounts. and even if you just dedicate, like, let's say you can't even spend the 500, like go mm -hmm. get you skip in the hundred, spend the 50 and spend the 50 yeah. consistently and then get yourself to a hundred. Then the 200, like that ad, it's not all organic. Like all these guys yeah. didn't get where they are because they're just organic. Mm -hmm. Like they're paying for some of this, you know? So they're paying for some of it and they're partnering with each other. Yeah. Oh, a my lot friend's of that. channel over here. Mm -hmm. da, 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 da. I mean, trust. Yeah. Yeah, they all jump on each other's wave mm -hmm. <laughs> and promote each other's stuff. So it's huge. Um, thank you so much for your time. If people want to follow you on YouTube, take one of your courses, they just want to get in contact with you, where would you recommend them go? Uh, hop on YouTube, Erica's Classic Live. Type it right on the search. I'm like the number one Erica on YouTube. Well, I'm number two. 
there's this other girl who's like a fitness chick but i'm like the number two erica on youtube erica's classy climb um got a thousand eight hundred videos you can't miss me uh also on instagram erica's classy climb and on twitter erica williams i was on there sometimes just throwing craziness up on the wall <laughs> cool um i will also throw all the links to everything she just said in the description so you guys reach out there um and again watch her youtube channel she does drop a lot of cool cool content on there um mm-hmm. and shoots it straight from the hip too that's what i like about your content it's like very much like let me tell you something right <laughs> so uh <laughs> if you want that straight talk definitely go check out our youtube channel and erica thank you so much for being on the show and thank you so much for your time all right sounds good thanks thank you